Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. And thank you, Dick Warren. That's the voice of Dick Warren, a legend in our town and in our industry. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, because you have to say it that way. Here, uh, as, as I am every week with Alex Terranova, Professional Certified Coach. Alex is available at thedreammason.com. Alex, what's new? I'm in Los Angeles. I'm not in our, our uh, home area of San Diego. America's what else is team. new? Um, are you there for the playoffs? What are you up there for? I'm doing? not here for the playoffs, but I did hear a funny story this week of a, a friend who, my friend who's getting married in Tulum, which we've talked about, somebody who is not coming to the wedding because the Dodgers are in the playoffs. Well, wow. if they if they advance, right? If they get Hashtag knocked out, they can come. They'll come to the wedding. Wow. But if they if they uh, if if they advance, this person is like, I gotta be at all the playoff games. I was like. That is, I, I don't know if I'm committed to anything like that. Like I would ditch you in five minutes if an oh, opportunity came up. Yeah, I know, I know, and you have. Uh, but I, I'm concerned that we lost our one listener already because we started talking about baseball in Los Angeles. Is there anything um, that you wanna share with the class about your life and times or why you're in LA or whose house I'm, you're hiding out at? I'm in a, re- I'm in a relationship. I'm, Dude, I'm in a, you were, you were shopping just, just a moment ago. What happened? I know, but you know, we did this Tulum experiment and I met somebody pretty amazing. And we, you know, we quickly were like, Hey, let's like play this experiment out. And um, part of that was just like, you know, dating each other. If, if I'm going and dating outside of it, then it kind of sabotages the dating experiment I created. And uh, it's just been going so well over the last, I want to say the last month that, you know, it's like I'm in a relationship. You know, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, it's, and I'm up in LA at her house. I can't tell how you feel about it. I can't tell I feel, if it's good news. Like you don't seem to be smiling, jumping up and down. <laughs> hey, I'm in a relationship. This seems. Well, like, I mean, it's uh, not my first time. I just woke up in a hospital and I think I'm in Tijuana. Yeah. I told somebody yesterday. I was talking to a client. A client asked me how uh, this whole thing was going. And I shared with them, I was like, well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a relationship. I'm excited to go to Tulum. I'm excited to see what happens after. I invited her to Thanksgiving with my family. Wow. You know, it's, it's a whole thing. And the client was like, wow, you know, you've, congratulations. You've never invited me to Thanksgiving with your family. I just wanted well, to. Well, no, I mean, I want my family to I invite me. feel like we are in a relationship. You know? I would like to be able to be welcome with my own family. And if I invite you, it's like, you know, they're going to be like, they're going to question. Could, I could come this my time. Character. Um, well, you think about that. You think about that. I feel like we're off topic. So well, uh, we, well, you, you, you said something, it's, have you ever noticed when people, when you're in a relate, when you, if you tell people you're in a relationship, people will say, oh my God, congratulations. Like, as, and then I always hear that is like, but you guys know it's not my first time. I didn't just, like, <laughs> I've done this before. I don't know. Are we supposed to celebrate it? It seems like a, it seems like uh something small to say, if I got married, if I had a baby, those are big, but I'm in a relationship. It seems like a, uh, an episode of Seinfeld where they would be debating whether it's appropriate to congratulate somebody for basically dating someone. Yeah, clear. All right. I feel, I feel like we've wrung out the washcloth on that. Does anybody remember washcloth? All right. Um, you, people can reach you at thedreammason.com if anybody wants to, but not to date him, people. He's taken. 
And, uh, and also you've written a book, Fictional Authenticity, and you've contributed to another book called Redefining Masculinity, available wherever fine books are sold or really any kind of book. And uh, you also have your own podcast called The Dream Mason Podcast, available wherever podcasts are available. Didn't you have another one where you were doing woo-woo stuff? I do have another one. We're, we're, ta- we're setting up season two right now. It's called, uh, oh my God, the, Fre- the Frequency Shifters Show. I almost blanked on, uh, on the name. Uh, yeah, it's all woo-woo stuff, energy stuff, all the unseen mystical things in the universe that we can't explain. You know, witches, warlocks, ghouls. I feel like you're just, just don't exist. Politics, is, <laughs> politics in America. <laughs> and that is the dulcet British tone uh, uh, from the all the way direct from the UK of our guest today. Do you want to introduce our guest, Alex? Or may I have the privilege? Oh, I saw you leave. This is I'm the co-host. You know, this is your this is your opportunity. Okay, you just provide witticisms and bon mots then. <laughs> all right. Our, our guest, Tim Brownson, has been a full-time coach since 2004. He started a, a company called A Daring Adventure. In 2012, he started to notice more and more coaches coming to him wanting help in what he'd done to build his business and a blog that attracted 1,500 unique visitors per day and almost t- two, 10, I'm sorry, let me practice speaking English, over 10,000 newsletter subscribers. So in 2013, he launched the Coach the Life Coach and now works almost exclusively with other coaches who want to build a professional and financially viable coaching practice. We're delighted to welcome Tim. Look around outside. Where are you, Tim? I'm in Cornwall in the very southwest tip of, of England. Can I just say something? When you were talking about in a relationship, because Alex said to me, oh, uh, my partner, Christopher. So I thought he was in a relationship with you. And he started talking about relationships. I think, oh, shit, just Christopher now. <laughs> anyway, just that, then I, I started to dawn on me what was going on. Yeah. I'm glad that Christopher was muted just now with his response because it might have had us kicked off the internet. But, um... <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I just think, Tim, somebody should care about my feelings and, and our relationship. No, my uh, my wife says I can't date anymore, Tim. I checked, but oh, um, yeah, no. uh, but thank you for your concern. I appreciate that. I appreciate the care. You're very welcome. Yeah, nice I only I also only date um, older women when I when I date men. I always date younger. So Christopher, good to know. And apparently, the Botox <laughs> is not working. I'll just move on slowly. Tim, in all seriousness, I see a copy of your book over your right shoulder, my left, uh, The Clarity Method. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, that's a bit of, that's irony because I'm always, as we say in England, taking the piss out of people who are being interviewed, they have their books behind them. And I actually put that behind me as a joke when I was talking to a friend of mine recently. I'd honestly forgotten it was still there. Yeah, of course you've forgotten it was there. And The Clarity Method, it's about core values. So, um it's values is just the most important work I think we do as a, as a coach because if we don't understand a client's core values we don't really understand them as a person and it's not to try and guide them in any particular way we've all got different values but it's just to understand where they're coming from so you know I was finding clients were coming to me for like for goal setting is, a, is the obvious example but and it's fine setting big goals but you often get, or you get lots of people set goals and they hit it, and it's like ah, this sense of not quite being fulfilling. So they set another one, a bigger one, and then a bigger one. It never kind of gets there, and that's because they're not in alignment with the values that you know you've got to. 
you know, you've got to be enjoying the process because one day there's no process left to enjoy because you're going to be dead, you know. So it, it's really just a deep dive into core values. That's all it's about because it, it was always the most important work I did with, with clients when I was doing traditional coaching. This is, this is such valuable stuff. I know Alex wants to get in here, but it's such valuable stuff because we're all, I was that guy. I, I was the guy who was successful, but miserable. And we've all coached those people, right? Where mm -hmm. they're, you know, we've got all the trappings and a convertible and live at the beach and, you know, a revolving door of relationships. <laughs> oh, and the revolving door. I mean, I've, I've got a revolving door as well. <laughs> Literally. So, carry on. Well, we should, since Christopher, since you just called me out, you know, we're single we live on the beach you know we we drive a convertible he just put me on the spot um i think it's funny i used to be exactly like that and now seven years i think it's per pretty perfect that i'm basically seven years a coach i feel like i'm returning to that even now as a coach so writing another book getting another client you know just increasing the amount of money i make whatever it is right another podcast just seems like you know we're just uh, exponentially increasing the goal and it doesn't feel fulfilling for me personally as like as it used to and so the first thing that I thought of is if you were working with somebody you know and, and I said to you hey I don't know my core values I know I do know mm -hmm. mine but I don't know that I don't know that they're impacting me in this way but how does somebody create core values? like how do you create core values with a coach that may not know them well, they, 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 they were already there. So, yeah, it's just uncovering them. So it's just basically saying, well, what's important to you? So go on, what's important to you in your life? Um, lo love, connection, relationships, okay. family. Well, I, no, so what's important? I didn't ask you for multiple ones. Calm down. <laughs> and we're just starting the I did it, process. I did it wrong. Because I did it wrong. I'm out. You've already I failed. I'd already <laughs> asked you to leave my... Just get out, you know. Well, you take one and you drill down. Okay, what my, I mean, the thing is, you listed, you're, you're a coach, so you know the difference between a value and, and something that's intrinsic as opposed to something, you know, materialistic or extrinsic or whatever. So you did something that a client almost would never do. You actually gave me four values. You know, you said love, connection. I can't remember what the other ones. I wasn't really listening. But, you know, you gave me ones that are, that are already valued. So... I already kind of have a sense that they are important to you. So the, the process that, that, that I developed and used was trying to figure out the, the hierarchy of the values. So what's the, because we've all got multi, you know, we've all got, I don't know how many values there are or words in the English language. I, I've seen, I mean, Steve Pavlino lists about 400 and some of them are completely ridiculous, but I, I think it's probably 120 to 140. So it's then that, well, what are the ones that are completely non-negotiable? You know, to sound corny and cliche, what are the ones you'd die for? What do you want to say? You know what? I am not going to do that. So I struggle. I've worked in sales in the last 10 years, 20 years, the last 10 years was corporate. And integrity is super important to me. Having fun is super important to me. You can't do that in sales it's like you know especially when you're selling at board level you can't you know it's basically you just make the sale or cost so i just felt this job sucks now i was making good money you know talking about american sports i was flying to america to see the rams play once a year with bonuses and things just to just just to kind of get away from the sales environment and um but it was ultimately, I knew there was something wrong. I just didn't know what it was. And it was just, I wasn't in alignment with my core values. 
Is that it? Or we finished now? Have I just burned through all the time? Well, the, the, <laughs> just because we wake Christopher up. <laughs> Christopher, I don't, I don't know if you... I, it's funny you say, like, what would you die for? Like, what are these... And I and I don't I don't believe I'm ever unique in the situation, but I'm like I'm not dying for any of my core values. I don't know them. <laughs> I'm not dying for yeah. like I, like I I in I would say integrity, love are probably two of my my biggest ones, and and fun or play. But I don't know that I would die for them. I think if you remove them somehow from me, I would adapt and create a life differently. I think that's where. I, they're also their their um their words they're they're like imagined we give meaning to them mm, versus yeah, cool. them being something tangible right i might die for my child or a friend or a family member but for a word that hasn't right, made up yeah not you not you Christopher. no 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 it's me means me christopher yeah i've just taken your job <laughs> um so when when you when you're if you're working with somebody let's say they know it um what's that what really you know i think this comes up with people's why too right when people are like why are they up mm. to something i find that it we we people like simon sinek have made it like very easy to craft your why but to have it anchored into you where you actually wake up and you're like yes that's why i'm going to get out of bed today seems like a different a more a bigger conversation and i'm just curious like with values is there is there a way that people can really like get attached to those so it does drive them forward? Well, yeah. I mean, I want to take a step back and say, you know, these are just words. Well, of course, you know, that's all we've got to deal with. You know, we've got to try and figure things out because the, the problem with values is they're, they're incredibly nebulous and they can mean different things to different people. And obviously, you know, when I say, you know, what would you die for? I don't necessarily mean literally, but there are, you know, this is, you know, I wouldn't expect you to die for, um, I don't know, you know, connection. Although there's things that can really, you know, connection is an interesting one. So I see connection as an intrinsic or an inherent value because we cannot, you know, as human beings, we can't develop without connection. So under uh, Ceausescu in the Romanian uh, regime in, in, in the 80s, they encourage parents to give away kids and to put give them to the state. And they will put them in these big homes where they had no love, no connection to others and basically isolated. The, the results of that are pretty horrific. I wouldn't encourage anybody to go and read about how maladapted these kids turned out to be and problems with drug abuse and crime and, and mental illness and what have you. So we, we kind of need connection. So whereas I don't think anybody should be, you know, I'm going to die if you, I mean, do you know something, Alex? For me, humour, so I go to a lot of stand-up, I love comedy, I, I do not go very very long, I laugh, at, I like dark comedy as well, I laugh at the most ridiculous thing. If you said to me, you can't ever laugh again, I would be like, I don't know if I'd kill myself, I'd be happy to kill you if, if to not have that taken off me, you know, but I, I, you know, somebody else maybe that I didn't really know or particularly like, but, you know, it is that fundamental to people. These are part of my identity. You can't take, well, I can take that. You could take the house away, um, but, I, you know, I'm not going to die for any possession. I'd, I'd lose a leg for my Mac, maybe, but, you know, I'm not going to die for it. 
Um, so I, I understand what you're saying, but but so I think it's that thing. Well, what can you take away fairly easy, and you'll adapt as a human being because we're you know we underestimate our ability to adapt to situations. What are the things that you would struggle to adapt? Then I think you start getting into the realm of values and being part of your identity. Have I even come close to answering you? I can't remember what the question was. So quite frank. Well, I feel like I feel like the. What you stepped in there, Tim, is nothing for for you to own. It's it's Alex's commitment issues, obviously. Yeah. Like, he won't die for his. It's just. Yeah. I think we've talked about his commitment issues enough for today, right? Like really, but um, it's a matter of being committed to your values. But I do think I I, I want to underline and highlight and put neon lights on um, the the notion that a lot of our clients, especially the ones that are high achievers, you know, or have some achieved something in life that we might admire or that they might be proud of, those people who are miserable are likely living out of sync with their core values. And the clarity right. method gives us a, a clear and easy, relatively, way to get uh, to get to that. Um, and so it's it's definitely worth having on our shelf. Definitely worth uh, putting that in our arsenal of of tools. Let me ask you this, Tim, you've been working for at least nine years and arguably 17 or 18 with coaches who are struggling. Mm -hmm. What's the number one issue? What's the number one mistake or misstep coaches are making, especially when they're starting out? Or Alex? Well, I don't really want to get into it. We haven't got long enough to get into Alex's um, issues. Uh, I think for most people, it's going to sound flippant, but it's actually becoming a coach in the first place. When you, I, there's what I call hobby coaches, and then there's professional coaches. And hobby coaches probably make up about 90% of the coaching market at the moment. And I'm pulling those figures out of my ass. I don't know what the percentage is. But I, I've met or worked with coaches that have been coaching 18 months, two years, never had a paying client. I have, I have worked with coaches who put... 15 or $20,000 into training to be a great coach and nothing into a marketing budget. And now, and now I have to preface this. Well, I can't preface it because I'm putting it afterwards, but I have to add that it's pretty much what I did. So I walked into becoming a coach and I went into 2000, I beg your pardon, you said 2004. 2004 was part-time, 2005 I went full-time and then we moved to Florida in February 2006. Now, at the time, I got clients in spite of myself. To the best of my knowledge at that time, there was three coaches in Orlando. I bet it's closer to 300 now. So, it, you know, people were finding me because there was nobody else there. You know, people were stumbling. I, I was lucky. If I'd have adapted, if I'd have started like most coaches start now, then, I, I, you know, popping up, you know, quote memes on Instagram or what have you, and just throwing a hideous website, or mine was hideous to begin with. Uh, it's hideous now, actually. It's been redesigned. But, you know, you, you, you can't, you have to treat this as a, as a business. I genuinely honestly think there isn't a more competitive sector in any industry than there is in coaching. Because... People are flooding into coaching because it's like, 
you know, well, my friend Susan said I'm really good at listening and telling her how to, you know, and I told her to leave her husband because he left his socks on the floor again, the bastard. You, you know, it's just like, and she said, oh, you'd make a good coach. And I'm like, yeah, because, because there's no bar to entry. The bar to success is incredibly high. The bar to entry, it's not even, it doesn't exist. People have just stamped it into the ground because I've got a computer, I've got a cell phone, I've got, a, I've got my free Zoom account and my mate Colin can knock up a website on Wix, oh, I'm sounding bitter, aren't I now? But and basically, so more come in, and, and COVID's just exacerbated with that. Half the people at at one point, so I've got a Facebook group, and there's close to seven thousand coaches in there. And at one point, I was getting about probably twenty five plus a week, where I could see from the bios it was ex hairdresser, former restaurant manager, previously a bartender. You know, these people that had lost their jobs in COVID. And you can't blame them, you know, it, because nobody tells them that it's this hard. It's just like, well, I was born to be a coach. Well, good luck if that's your marketing strategy. Uh, I've stopped. Nobody <laughs> was expecting me to stop then, were you? It's just like, yeah, I just keep going. Just let him go. Well, you you hit up, we we talk about this a lot, Christopher. We we ask people a lot, like how how would they deal with you know, all the people flooding into the market that really have no training or no professional uh, credentials or experience that just, you know, say they're a coach and they, and some of them are very good at marketing and some of them have not, they don't have coaching skills right. or marketing right. skills. And usually we talk about the ones that are not trained, but good at marketing, right. That are actually mm. take, that are actually able to go and craft business on Instagram or Facebook because of the right. way they market themselves, which is, which is, um, uh, unique and a lot of coaches that are trained that are great coaches don't know how to do that so exactly. let's I, i'd be curious to talk to those coaches because i think those are the ones that really come here the ones that are trained the ones that view this as a professional industry that mm -hmm. view it as a profession those coaches that are struggling that are finding it challenging to build their business find their clients where are they going wrong i, I think for the most part they're going wrong by so this was epitomized by a conversation I had it's a while ago now but a coach had said in a, in a LinkedIn group as in somebody's asked for you know advice a new coach or whatever and he'd come back and say what you want to do is go and look at as many coaching websites as you can to get ideas no you don't that's exactly what you don't want to do what you don't want to do is look at what the coach is going look what the going rate is for, I don't even know what that means for coaching it's like what's the going rate for food Alex how much is food you know, you know, it's just ridiculous. How much is it? I want to, to carry some goods across the country. How much will it be? You know, it's just ridiculous. There isn't a going rate for coaching. You have to charge based on your value. So I think they're looking at what the people are doing. So it's like, oh, apparently quotes work means that I can put up. Now, I was doing these, but I was doing these before Pinterest back in about, about, 2009, 2010, and I was paying somebody on Upwork, it was Odesk at the time, I was paying somebody to design these for me because I've got the design skills of a drunken hamster. And they weren't working then. And I got like about 5,000 people on, you know, followers when you could actually get some engagement with Facebook. I'd be lucky if I get five likes and a share here and there. So, you, you know, forget what other people are doing. You've got to figure out how you can stand out in a very, very dense crowd and you won't do it by telling people i love coffee and i love life and i was put on this planet to coach people no you weren't 
just stop it. Just, you know, nobody said, you know, I was put on this, I was put on this earth to, well, they do actually, <laughs> I'm going to say to be a ballerina. Well, maybe they do, I don't know. You know, that's not the point. I'm arguing with myself now. But you, it's, you've got to understand marketing and you've got to forget what coaches are doing. And the other thing is, the other thing is, you don't know how successful they are. There's no coaches out there on their website going, looking sad face because they ain't got any clients. But most of them are sad face. Maybe, maybe that's the strategy. Maybe that would set you apart. Right, exactly. If your but, if your Instagram and your and your website was you with a sad face saying, "I don't have any clients." Yeah, please, uh, please be, my be client. a client. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I've I've been toying because I'm going through a whole redesign now and a branding thing because my messaging is, is atrocious at the moment. It's, there's a long story behind it when I was had a partner and what and what have you. And I I want to go. I, I'm toying with going with a. In this bit of a, I'm stealing it off the guy who did the get rich slowly, but get clients slowly. And it was after seeing an advert on Facebook that said, $7 for seven clients in seven days. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Seriously? Was, who believes this shit? But when, you, when people are desperate, they do. And, you know, or, I, I literally don't see anything else in my Facebook feed other than coaches selling to other coaches. Now, that's largely because I press on the ads to, to have a good laugh or read what people are doing. And they're all lying for the, well, not all, that's a, I shouldn't say that, but a lot of them, they're just bullshit in the way. You know, I can, you know, I can help you get money. You know, there's a couple of fairly big players that are running a Facebook campaign at the moment, telling people in the, the, the VSL, video sales, you don't need to run Facebook ads to be successful. And they're doing it on a Facebook ad. And one of them's fairly big in the coaches. And I'm like, what the fuck? Do you know? I've just exploded. Well, let me let me drill down on that if you don't mind, Alex. Um, so Tim, you've been you've been in the industry for, you know, it's through its at least adolescence, right? And one of the things that I wonder, I see a lot of ads as you do about how to advertise coaching, and you say that marketing mm -hmm. is important. But my experience as a consumer recently is that digital ads are done to death. Since the, since mm. the pandemic, everybody has been reaching out to me, not only on the phone, but also you know, on the text and in the Facebook ads. I get all these targeted Facebook ads you know, that are hundreds of things, hundreds of ads for the thing I just bought. So um, mm -hmm. is digital advertising still viable or are we just throwing money down the canyon, so to speak? You know, if we're if we're investing in things like search engine optimization, like Facebook ads, like LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think first and foremost, you've got to understand that anybody that does advertise, any coach that decides to advertise on any paper click or paper impression, whatever it is, you're going up against professionals. So let's take, for example, somebody like Brooke Castillo, and she's talked about it runs a life coach still. She's she's talked about this on 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 interviews that she's done. That she spends a lot of money. I'm pretty sure it's six figures on Facebook ads a year. So they're hire companies like that are hiring people. That's all they do every day. Run Facebook ads campaigns. Run multiple landing pages, split test out. So a life coach goes in there and think, you know what? I'll just throw fifty dollars at a boost in this post. Well, you can because you know Facebook only made fifty billion literally in the 
last quarter or what have you, you know, but you may as well just throw it at me and I'll give you a round of applause. And you'll, that'll probably feel better than what's going to happen when you, when you boost that because Facebook's got you by the, 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 the gonads, you know. But I wouldn't, you know, I would never say beta, but I don't know enough about digital advertising to say it's dead. And I also don't believe that because the big guys are still doing it. The big gals are still doing it. You know, the, the big companies are still doing it and they are measuring and testing everything and they would drop it fairly quickly if it wasn't working. But I think it's like most things, it's being monopolised by the people that have already got the money. So take Clubhouse. When Clubhouse launched, you know, who was on there really quickly? Gary Vaynerchuk, Tony Robbins, you know, the same old Russell Brunson, the, the same old, same old. And they soon all got big followers and everybody, yeah, and everybody else was like, oh, you know, it's, it's working well. Look what, look what's, well, okay. Well, if you're Gary Vaynerchuk, I mean, I've got a lot of respect for him. He, he works 37 hours a day, I think, um, you know, but but you, most people can't do that. It's like trying to, you know, Richard Branson couldn't break into the cola market for crying out loud. You know, with all his wealth, he eventually gave up on Virgin Cola, you know. Donald Trump couldn't break into any market. And he look at the wealth he got behind him, you know, fortunately. Um, so, you know, I, no, I, I, think, I don't think he's dead, but I think new coaches have got to be smarter than that. They've got to be a little bit more creative than thinking. I spent a year working with a coach, spent about 10 grand designing a course that I was going to sell. Right. I canned it. I've canned it because I don't think I, my list is about four and a half thousand on my little bit more than that now on my list. And it's fairly, it's clean. I clean it up about every six weeks, partly because of GDPR here in Europe, because we've got very right. tight regulations on data and partly because I don't, I want it clean. And I don't think I could sell enough without using Facebook ads. And then I know I'm going to have to put at least 10 grand into it because yeah, I'm going to spend the first month testing and all this shit. And I'm not an expert at it. You know, I'd have to hire somebody to do it as well. Yeah. Kind of before, different. before you say that, Alex, I just want to uh, clarify for our listeners that although Tim said that Facebook earned $50 billion last quarter, that's inaccurate. It was only $26.17 billion in the first <laughs> quarter of 20, 2021. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, it, it reminds me of this conversation of advertising prior to all the internet ads, right? Like if in the 80s or the 90s, you know, Coke and Pepsi could have whatever spot on TV, Bank of America, right? These big brands. And if, if you or I had like a local restaurant and we wanted to advertise on TV, we'd be on at three in the morning. And, you know, who's who, none of the people that we want to come to our restaurants not even open at three in the morning. It's like, yeah. and then there's the, the home shopping network where if we had a product, we might be able to get it in this thing and have a real niche market of people that are buying from that. And as you both were saying that, it just reminds me of that. Like, that's where I feel like we're at. Like you have these big players dominating the, ad, the, the good ad space and actually know yeah. what they're doing, right? The Nikes, the, the Coca-Colas. And those are the Tony Robbins, the Gary V's that are advertising on your Instagram and your Facebook and actually pulling most of that traffic. And then you have some coaches that are that have found ways to break into that home shopping network they've they found a way to tackle like a really specific audience online that they're able to get to and sell you know their mm -hmm. cool little vacuum to <laughs> and mm -hmm. and but for most of us 
that's actually not we're not we're not getting into home shopping network we're not breaking into the mainstream marketing and we're and i love your point like we're either wasting energy or we're wasting our money and we're also doing even if we if you are on home shopping network or one of those what's the product that makes a splash is a product that's unique that's different it's not just the same product you've seen on that channel 55 times right Right, and that's a great, you know, that's a great analogy to, uh, I'd never thought about it like that, and, it, and, it, and it's, it's bang on. Um, and and so, so you've got to, I mean, it's niche, you know, all marketers bang on about how, well, how, how do you do something different? You get tight with your niche. And that's, but it's also the other thing that gets missed by a lot of coaches, and this is the, the thing that helped me establish myself, as much by luck, if I'm being honest, as anything else, and that's brand. You know, so coaches think, you know, and I've asked this in my Facebook group about, you know, branding yourself and coaches think it doesn't apply to them. Oh, that's just big. I don't want to get into that corporate thing. No, you don't. But my brand was, you know, I used to write about politics, swear a lot and use humor. Well, back in 2008, no, 2007, when I started blogging, there were actually a lot of self-development. There's a whole this sort of like sort of subculture of self-development bloggers at the time, many of whom went into coaching because they captured the market. But that was unusual. It was all there, ah, oh, you know, this look at this like picture of a flower or something. Nobody ever did that, but you know what I mean? So it was all this, this happy, and I'm, you know, I love dolphins. Um, whereas I was going, you know, Fuck Trump. Well, I wasn't there because he wasn't around. But I would have done if I'd have known he was coming. Yeah, but basically just standing out as being different. Now, that's going to piss off a lot of people. A lot of people are going to say, oh, I would never hire. Yeah, I once got, I did a, uh, I wrote a blog post uh, basically breaking down the debate between uh, Palin and Biden in, in 08, just be uh, before, the, before the election, the VP debate. And I was just basically looking at it for the language patterns that they were using. And I just really mocked um, Palin. I mocked them both, but I, I, I mocked Palin. And I got an email from somebody about midnight. He said, why don't you piss off back to England, you queen-loving limey bastard? And I got this, and I just thought it, it was hysterical. You know, I just, it just my wife was like, that's outrageous. How shit? And I just thought, no, it's made my day. I, I love getting stuff like that. Because we, you have to polarise people. That's fine. She's not going to hire me. Guess what? Don't really want to hire me. So I think, you know, coaches are going to form their own brand. Now that's, you don't force that. Don't swear if you don't swear. Don't talk about politics if it makes you feel uncomfortable. But do something that makes you stand out. You have to stand out. I love that. But I did apologize for that email later, Tom. <laughs> yeah, you, you did, to be fair. You'd had a couple of drinks, you know. It is, what are you, you going to do, you know? And because the thing is, I sat there and thought, I'm not even a royalist. I don't even like the queen. Actually, she's fine. She's a nice old lady that's stolen billions of pounds over the years. She's got some nice, some good real estate. Uh, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about niche for a moment. Uh, uh, Alex, am I stepping on you? I don't mean to. No, you're you're the, good. I, uh, yeah, go ahead. The uh, the thing that I notice about new coaches is that what they choose as a niche, right? Like, let's say you know, as a new coach, I choose left-handed basket weavers who love to surf, uh, you know, in the ocean only, right? So I go out and I market to those people, or I try and find those people, and then I try to market to those people. I think our coaches are forgetting, and this is just my view. Um, that the niche is not a life sentence. It's a marketing choice, right? Exactly, yeah, 
Do you want to say more about that? Because I, I feel like coaches, yeah. once they've done that, they're like, I can only talk to left-handed basket weavers. And it's not true at all. Right. right. Well, and you you, you, you you nailed it. Sorry, Alex, but he did, he did nail it. Um, and uh, the, 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 the problem is, so you guys are both trained in co-active, I guess, because ICF, and so was I. My, my initial training was co-active coaching. Well, the, the, the pushback from people is that, well, at, you know, I'm not there to advise people. I'm not there. It doesn't matter that I have, my clients haven't been through, you know, I haven't been through what my clients are going through. Well, no, it doesn't. And you don't have to do that. You know, as collective coaches, we should technically be able to, you know, coach anybody. Having a niche is just a marketing tool. As you just said, you know, it's just getting to a group of people. You're always going to get people outside that niche. I took on a client a couple of years ago who I took him on as a client. And then I got this email from him. He said, uh, I just want to tell you how we started working together. He said, just in case it came out and you might not want to work with me, but I voted for Donald Trump. <laughs> and I emailed him back. I said, Dude, I don't care you know unless you're gonna bring it to the table but i mean i'm not gonna rein it in you know i don't talk about politics when i get on a call with a client i'm talking about their business you know so I, you know that's that, that's down to you i mean i just think you've got no morals no but no i'm joking you know it's fine but but when i'm talking that it won't appeal to everybody but you know i've I'll still take people i've take i'll take counselors and therapists on which i have done but i don't never mention them when i'm writing about stuff you know so so you're right and, and this just allows you to just focus your efforts so when you're writing you've got that one person in your mind who you're writing to i mean any good um any good broadcaster will tell you that they've always got one person in the mind that you two guys won't know this, obviously, but they've always got they've always got one person in mind who they're talking to, and that they're to, you know they're not talking to a million people or three people. They're talking to this one person, and and that's what having a niche is. It just allows you to market yourself more, and you don't feel like you're all over the place. Beautiful. And is it okay to have more than one niche? I think it is. I think the problem with having one niche, so I worked, this was a number of years ago, I worked with a lady who got a niche. I can't remember what a niche was in coaching, but she also made soap and she wanted to do it on the same website. So probably not wise. When I was started working with coaches, it was all on a, a daring adventure. So I did everything on from the one website. Now that can be confusing. So anything you do with your marketing that potentially confuses people, don't do it. Because you've got you haven't got a chance to sit them down and explain. I know it looks like this, but guess what? I really do this, and you know, whatever. So yeah, it's fine to have more than one niche, but don't try and position it on one side. And if you do, it's certainly not on the same page. Don't talk about the same niche. That is really, really important. I want to um, emphasize and underline that one too, right? Don't be the don't be the slash, right? The coach slash right. chef slash yeah. entrepreneur slash, right? Oh, and I'm not so excited now because I say the most dangerous word in marketing is and. What do you do? I'm a relationship and a mindset coach. I don't even know what mindset coach is. You know, I work with this and that. Just forget the and, drop the and. Do you know what I was? And people think I'm being hard on you coaches. Well, first of all, anybody can go back to Wayback Machine or archive.org and look at my website from 2006. They'd be crying with laughter. It was that bad. Um, but on my first business cards, I call myself a personal and business coach. Hey, impressed, aren't you? You want to hire me with that? If you want to 
personal, I don't even know what a personal coach is, you know, and I, I had the cards made, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. It talks to nobody. It's just like, you know, my wife's an oncologist, you know, she, well, yeah, I'm a, well, I've got cancer. Well, should I go and see the oncologist? So should I go and see the oncologist who's also a hairdresser? You know what? I'm, right. I think I'm, I'll think I'll go to the oncology specialist. Beautiful analogy. Alec? There's, you know, I co I don't coach a lot of coaches. There, it's not, it's not my favorite uh, group of people to work with. Um, it, it feels a little incestual and, um, uh, uh, what, what not? But I, I say this because what I notice when I do coach them is that we get fixated on this conversation instead mm. of going out and coaching, just coaching, becoming mm. a good coach by coaching a lot of people. They're mm -hmm. like, I have to find the person to coach. Yeah. And when, and, and it seems like it, it is tough to break that. I noticed that I've had, I, when I've coached these coaches, it's been a tough thing to break. They're so like almost brainwashed is I have to have, it has to be so specific. People are teaching me to do this. And it's almost like they handcuff themselves, right? Instead of going to become a right. great coach, they, they, they've, become market, they're trying to become the perfect marketer. So with that said, from your experience, how do they actually become a better coach? Well, exactly what you said. So I, I think we, again, we need to separate the marketing element of this from the, from the coaching. So the, 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 the best advice you can give any coach is to coach, go out and coach. Uh, I'm not a massive fan on pro bono, only because it, they, when I look back, they were some of the most difficult clients I had in the early, when I was asking people if I could coach them, when I needed to get my hours up, they, they were difficult. So I started asking for a small charitable donation, just so they got some form of financial investment in it. But even so, I'd rather people go be coaching and doing it for doing it for free. So just coach and coach and coach and coach because a that will help you find your niche so you'll start to see commonalities of the people that you enjoy working with but also it will stop you you know your niche kind of underpins everything your niche underpins your brand which underpins your website design which underpins the message your copyright and all this stuff so if you get that wrong to begin with it, it screws with everything so you better stay in broad and getting narrower and not committing. You know, if you're if you're gonna, you know, work with deciding, you know what, I wanna, it seems to be a lot of coaches these days wanting to work with teenagers or kids transitioning to, into university or what have you. Well, the way you set up a website and the way you talk about stuff and portray yourself, that's gonna be different than if you want to work with female women going through a divorce in the 50s. You know, it's completely different approach. So I, I think, you know, yeah, just coach. I mean, I, 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 this happened yesterday to me. So I have a group of about 2,000 coaches. It's called the Coaching Exchange on Facebook. It's just for people to exchange coaching. I come down hard on anybody who asks, only offers one session or only or asks for, for, for money. So, so, and I'm always saying to people, look, if you want a coach, ask. Hardly anybody ever does. Yesterday, somebody wrote a brilliant post. This is what I do. I'm looking for practice clients. 19 responses in about two hours. And people saying, yeah, I'm looking for a coach. And that, there's a, me in the thread every now and then saying, you guys can ask, you know. 
nobody since then has gone and started the thread of their own. And I'm always posting there, look, start a thread if you want to coach or if you want somebody to coach. And they don't. And honestly, yesterday, I was close to send an email out with the title, what the fuck is wrong with you people? You know, he sat there waiting for you. And that's the other thing, people don't want to ask for help. Something I'm brilliant at, and there isn't much, my wife will back me up on this 100%. I am brilliant at asking for help. I, I am obsessed with learning. If I don't, I'll stop a movie. What city is that? I need to check what city is that because it looks a bit like Berlin, but it could be, you know, Bonn. I don't know where, I don't know where Berlin and Bonn are. But, you know, so I, I, and coaches, it's just like I, I can't ask. I did that a lot when I started, and a lot of people helped me. And I, you know, I'll answer any question in my Facebook group, in my main Facebook group, where somebody tags me, I will answer any question. Now, it may be, you know, that's too broad for me. You know, when somebody comes in and says, how do I get clients? I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't answer that in a Facebook post. But so, yeah, I think I've answered that question and a bunch of others. Yes, including uh, somebody you didn't uh, want to ask. insight into your marriage, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, um, so you... One of the things that I love about what you've said is that not only do people need to ask for it, but when, you know, I've been coaching since the 90s. Remember the 90s? And um, I do. And you've been coaching since the, the early 2000s, if I, if I read your bio correctly. Yeah, And it is. we've got something to offer. And I know that I am asked every now and again to speak or to show up someplace or to contribute to some panel. And I do it because I want people to know and I make myself available for office hours and that sort of thing. And I'm always astounded at people not showing up for these events, yeah. right? They're free events, yeah. they're not, you know, and where, and if, if maybe you could speak to your experience of trying to provide things to our profession as we're developing, as we're committed to developing, and having, you know, being frustrated in other ways by trying to contribute to a profession that you would think would be hungry for the contributions of those of uh -huh. us who've been around for a while. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I had a guy unsubscribed from, I always go and look at unsubscribes on my newsletter. I mean, I, I quite like getting unsubscribes. If you're not getting any, then you're not, you know, you're not pushing people enough. But this guy, and I've seen this before, it's not particularly uncommon, but it actually bothered to write to reason. And they're the ones that interest me the most when somebody gives that goes to the trouble of actually writing other and then saying what it was. He said, sends out too many emails. Well, I never send more than one a day. It's probably about four or five a week, depending. I only send stuff out when I've got something that I think is valuable to other coaches. And if I'm selling, if I'm in a, in a launch for a product or a service, it's pretty obvious. I'll make it fairly obvious because if you're not interested, you're not interested. I'm not interested in trying to persuade you to work me or whatever, you, you've got to want to do it. So and he, and on, the, on the emails where, the, it, it, where I am selling, but this headline isn't obvious. I'll still still work hard to get some takeaway value in the email. If it's even saying this is what I'm doing with this email, this is how I'm structuring it to sell this course or, or whatever whatever it is. So this guy says you get too many emails. I don't know how many newsletters I've subscribed to, but it's it's over twenty. And a number of them email every every day. Seth Godin emails every day, and I read pretty much everything of his. You know, um, certainly some content marketing emails every day, and SEO land and what have you. But the, the guy, the, there are some people that are super salesy, like the guys. I don't know if you know the guys from Agoro, the copywriters, brilliant copywriters. They're selling every email, 
So basically, I just read what I want, take out the bits that I think, you know what, I don't like some of their tactics. I mean, they are super, super full on sales. You know, I don't like that and I won't do that, but I'll get a nugget here and there. So when people say things like that, I'm thinking, have you got clients? Because I'm trying to give you, you know, I may even be older than you, Christopher. I'm 60 next year and I'm giving you a shit ton of experience here for nothing. And I'm not even hard selling you. I do a monthly webinar with somebody called Liz Scully, who's a really good business strategist. And I forbid her from, from selling, apart from about maybe the last minute. I'm like, no, it's got to add value. Now, that is an outlier, and I'm not sure from a financial perspective that that's the right thing to do. It's just how I like to operate is give, give value. So, so if me sending you too much free information is irritating you, I don't even know what to say. I would have killed for this. Oh, that's it. That's Siri. Siri is just spotted. Go away. Um, so I would have killed for this information. Yeah, when we started, Christopher, there was nothing, was there? Right, yeah. You, would, you, you, you couldn't go in to join a Facebook group or get free emails giving you no. free information. It's just like, I have no clue what I'm meant to do now. Yeah, you would just, but, every once in a while, you found a stone tablet on the side of the road where somebody... Had right, exactly. Yeah. I was I, I was thinking typewriters, but you know, and you spent all day trying to write one message, but you kept messing up, so you had to keep starting over again. And there were two. You have two spaces tapped. after a period, and right. then and then you, you have to <laughs> you have to mail it out using you know a Federal Express. You know, guy on horseback has to carry your note all the way across the country to the one client that you really hope you get, and you might never hear back. But you don't know if it got lost in the mail or if it maybe never got there. We dreamed was, about exactly. Federal Express. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we used to dream. Yeah, exactly. Semaphore. Yeah. You know. Um, we, you, I love it. So you just brought us to your, the free information. So mm. let's talk about your 12. If people want free information from you, right? The people that want to be on your list, they want yeah. to get free information. Uh, they can get a 12 step guide to building success, a successful coaching practice. They can at your website, coach the life okay. coach, which is okay. Genius, yeah. right? Like, I don't know how you thought of that. That's incredible. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. My mother, if she'd been still alive, would have been still dead because she'd been dead years ago. Um, yeah. what, what, uh, what do people need to know about the 12-step guide to building a successful coaching practice and coachthelifecoach.com? Well, it's a guide that's in 12 steps that if they follow it, we'll just basically get help them get to a successful it's coaching practice. It's not 10 steps? It wasn't ironic that you just... No, no. It's, oh. it's basically, I mean, it's things like, you know, it starts with understanding. Well, the first chapter in it, actually, is understanding well, so there's your there's Yeah, there's chat. <laughs> I've gone the whole hog on this. There's even some subheadings and all sorts of shit, you know. Um the, the, so the, the first chapter is is about understanding your costs. You know, people don't you know, think, oh, it's, I don't need anything. Well, you do. You're going to need an email platform. You probably, well, I've got loads of stuff that maybe you don't need to begin with. You know, I've got Zoom webinar, which is expensive. Well, you don't need that. You could probably get away. I did, actually, I did. This is a while ago now, but I was working with, with um, somebody I'm trying to think. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was somebody trying to sell me. Sorry, somebody trying to sell me. So I was on this Zoom call with somebody and we got close to the hour. And he said, Tim, do you mind if I reconnect with you? I'm like, no, I didn't realise he got the free version of Zoom and had to disconnect and then <laughs> log back in again and do another call, you know. But anyway, so so there's understanding your costs. 
And also the first or second chapter, and I can't remember, I've not read it, you know, since I wrote it. I haven't read any, I've written 11 books and I've read any of them. I, actually, can I tell you a funny story about one of my books? I won't, How to Rich and Happy, we wrote it in 2010. It came out in 2011 with a guy called John Strike, who's still a friend. And John's had best-selling books in all over. He was at one point number one, two, and four in Germany at the same time. I don't know why so big in Germany. There was, so, so there's a chapter in it that talks about how we define success and that, you know, anybody can get knocked back. Now, you've got to understand that I wrote this shortly after we moved to the US and I didn't really know who the guy was, but there was a chapter in it that said, um, you wouldn't call Donald Trump a failure, yet he's had numerous bankruptcies. And I'd forgotten all about that. And then I got an email about a year ago and saying, yeah, I really enjoyed the book, but I was a bit disappointed in you, you know, bigging up Donald Trump. And I'm like, I don't remember that. I've never, like I said, I've never read the book since it came out. So I went, went and got a copy, and I was just praying, thinking, God, I hope John wrote that, but I hope John wrote it. And then I saw it. I actually felt sick for a point in time. So, sorry, sorry. You can edit this out. I'll stop for like two seconds. It may be easy to edit it. Anyway, back to the... the <laughs> There's a, so the, it's looking at the negative, basically, the, the beginning. Co coaches look on, you know, this is how it's going to be, and I'm going to imagine this, I'm going to visualise this, and I've got my vision board, and it's got a big house on it, which I'll be living in, in you know, a couple of years or what have you. So you do that, but they don't focus on the negative, and you really have to focus on the negative, because if you don't, guess what? It's going to eat in the face, and you're not going to know what to do. Because you weren't, you know, we all go into new business with this surge of enthusiasm, thinking nothing can go wrong. It's a bit like when you move house. Everybody thinks they've got everything, you know, boxed off. And they move. There's always stuff that you don't think about, isn't there? If you, you know, I've moved house six times in the last year from moving back from America. But, you know, there's always stuff. It's like, ah, oh, shit, I forgot the dogs. You know, whatever it is. So you have to, as a new coach, think, okay, what's going to happen if you've got no clients in six months? Can you manage? Can you put food on the table? Is it going to strain your relationships with your kids or your partner or your priest? I don't know. You know, what, what's going to happen if you have to go back to the corporate sector when you feel humiliated? How are you going to, how are you going to cope with that? You know, all this kind of stuff and coaches just go in and it's like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm I've got me, you know, I've got my unicorn and my rainbow, and I'm, 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 I'm good to go. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Well, I don't you know, I have, I have my unicorn. We, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do we need a? You know, normally we, uh, Tim, we would ask you for a parting thought or a last word, a soapbox. <laughs> You've had enough. And I'm, I'm, well, I'm wondering if you just if that if you just hit a walk-off home run or do we need a do we need to still do that do you have anything else you want to leave the audience with do you want to pick them back yeah. up after you just slap them down <laughs> yeah can, can i slap them down a bit further absolutely I'm, I well, well let me let me just say this before i close the talk so i did i did actually give it give us some thought so so the the problem I, yeah, I've said that the you know the life coaching industry is incredibly competitive. It's utterly saturated at the moment. Okay, but that's the bad news. The good news is it's saturated largely by incompetence, and I don't mean coaching competence. I know plenty of good coaches that fail to make a go of it. Uh, but I also you mentioned this early on, Alex. That, that, there's, that I know bad coaches that have done well because they understood marketing. And a bad coach 
that understands marketing is going to kick the ass of a brilliant coach who doesn't again, 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 again. So if you understand marketing, you know, breaking into coaching, being successful is not as difficult as it looks when you just look at the numbers and how many people are doing it. So you have to kind of put all those people to one side, forget what everybody else is doing and do your own thing and get really good at it. So I, I do think there's hope um, for new coaches. That absolutely, there's always room at the top. There's, you know, I, I just refuse not, not to believe that. It's difficult, but there's always room. But the closing thought is, is, or the thing that just bugs me is, people have got to stop being offended by everything. You know, it, it's just like th th that to me is that the root of human misery is this always being offended about something. That's not how it should be. It's like nothing you guys could have done today would offend me. Literally nothing. I'm offended by corporate greed and poverty and starvation and things like that. But just somebody calling me a queen loving limey bastard, that's just going to make my day. I'm going to like, thank you very much. Somebody calling me out on my blog or telling me my... You know, I, I quite often will get people to tell me, do you need to stop swearing? Do I? Well, I, you know, we can imagine I'm not going to be too so cliche and say, go fuck yourself. I wouldn't do that. But, you know, it's just like focus on your own, own life and stop being offended by, by words that people throw at you. I think I might have to take your blood pressure meds now. <laughs> <laughs> that Ooh. is Tim Brownson. <laughs> and you can find him at Coach thelifecoach.com, coachthelifecoach.com. We'll put up a link uh, also so you can get that, uh, the, his ebook that's now on Amazon called The 12-Step Guide to Building Successful Coaching Practice. You can also get the book right behind him, The Clarity Method. And did you say 10 other books that you've written? Yeah, it's about, I think it's 12 in total. I'm not sure, none of them are on Amazon. Well, I had to be some happy ones, actually. The, the others, I've just trashed them because they're crap. That's <laughs> It's just extraordinary. And I thank you so much for being with us today. Coachthelifecoach.com uh, or get the link and get the 12-step guide to building successful coaching practice. Thank you so much for joining us from your beautiful, I'm sure, palatial mansion in, uh, in Britain, in the United Kingdom. And thanks for all of your work for all of these decades in, uh, in coaching. <laughs> thank you. I've had fun, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And of course, thank you, Alex Terranova. You can find Alex at thedreammason.com. And um, when I guess you're going to be gone for a couple of weeks and we'll talk to you when you get back from Tulum, right? You're going to be here next week. I'll be here next week. You're not going to be here next week, right? No, I'm going to take a well-deserved vacation. And I'm not telling you where, lest you show up there. Um, but thedreammason.com. Of course, you can find me at accomplishmentcoaching.com or christophermcauliffe.com. Uh, but most importantly, we will be back with you next week and every week with somebody out on the cutting edge of coaching, some pioneers in coaching, or people you just need to know about right here on The Coaching Show in its now 19th year, closing in on 20, Alex Terranova. So when you were a, a mere- Older than me. Someone's eye. That's right. Yeah, it's older than me. It's incredible. We'll, uh, we'll bring you somebody each and every week. So I guess that's it. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for being here. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.